At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, Pats, Pals, and Foxborough friends. We welcome you to the latest and always greatest edition of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast, a presentation of WEEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports. It's the middle of the week, and even though we've got some toonf Thursday night football, it's so damn big we could not possibly skip the mailbag edition of the Six Rings pod. And because the mailbag was so stuffed full this week, I had to bring back the original guy from the pod, the DVOA hole himself. Prime time, shime time, and your old pal Fitzy are here for the mailbag edition. Shime, I haven't talked football with you in far too long. How you doing, kid? I'm wonderful, Fitzy. It's a short week. I'm excited. I'm ready to go for this past game Thursday night. Let's get it. Okay, before we get into the questions, and we've got some phenomenal questions about the game, the state of the nation, and then... Possibly, I'll tease out something in there that I know everyone's talking about right now. The potential or at least alleged or rumored return of a favorite son of Foxborough. Where are you with how the Patriots played against the Vikings uh, and how they're looking heading into this game, which I, for one, think is massive and a referendum game on where Bill Belichick has the Patriots three years removed from Tom Brady and Mac Jones asserting himself as not just starter, but a force in the AFC East. Yeah, I find myself in a really weird spot because I feel like I'm starting to go total, like like somebody played an Uno reverse card on me on how I feel about this Patriots team. It was, uh, I... Son of a bitch. I will fall for every... I, it's my favorite game of all time. <laughs> it's a great game. Excellent game. game. Someone tossed game. out a red Uno reverse card at me because all of a sudden, I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute. Mac Jones looked awesome against the Vikings, and the yeah. offense looked like they were uh, had been playing great all season. And then the defense looked like they were, you know, the Minnesota Vikings defense, and they were one of the worst defenses in the league. And so I was so confused and I was so befuddled by the game itself that I kind of stand in a position of uh, just uncertainty now heading into this Bills game. And so I think in a lot of ways, the Bills game is a defining moment for the Patriots season, right? I think it'll give you an, a complete idea of exactly what this team is, whether they're good, great, or maybe not so great on defense, and whether their offense finally figured it out. And, and so if they can compete with the Bills, uh, I, 
I, I think that you understand kind of where this team has come from and kind of gone. And so ultimately this is the ultimate benchmark because if you're able to beat the bills, you set yourself up for an actual playoff run here and the ability to make the playoffs in the first place. Uh, and if you lose to the bills and if you do it in a fashion similar to the last two times you played them, then it's like, Oh, so everything we did up to this point was just kind of, a mask because of the teams we played. And now that we're playing good teams, this is what we're in for. To go along with your Uno reference from earlier, if the Patriots beat the Bills, we're going to be the one drawing the wild card. If the yes, Patriots sir. lose to the Bills, we're going to be dealt a wild card and collect four, which is the oh, worst Oh, yeah, card we just got can... pumped with nothing... the plus four. <laughs> there, is, there is nothing worse. There's no greater punch to the card game junk than being dealt the wild card collect four. So I think it's all on the line because I'm not looking for the Patriots to be ultimately prolific or even look like Buffalo's offense. And I don't even need them to go to reclaim being kings of the North and take back the title. I still think Miami is ultimately going to win the AFC East this year now. And Buffalo just has had too many mistakes and is too injured. And Miami's offense will probably, and their schedule should lead them to an AFC East crown now, which goes against our preseason rankings, but those are so far out at this point. Uh, oh, breaking news, by the way, here at the top of the pod, we should react to it. Oh. Uh, our producer, Justin Turpin, little uh, Turp Chirp. The New England Patriots, according to Mike Reese, have officially ruled out Damian Harris, not surprised, and Isaiah Wynn. Yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense. Kind of goes yeah. in, in in lockstep with what we assumed. I mean, Isaiah Wynn, uh, I hope you're healthy, but good riddance. Uh, and then Damian <laughs> Harris, that's just... That's a tough injury, but uh, at the same time, I just I love the way Ramondre has played uh, with the backfield to himself. So I'm kind of curious to see how that goes against the Bills. I know Harris was great though uh, until he hurt his hamstring a couple. Like he he he's looked pretty great. He was like eight for sixty five, I think, against the Vikings. Like he no, that was the week prior. Excuse me. Um, he's looked good at times this season, and he was a hammer against Buffalo last year, both at home. I think he went for over hundred yards and a touchdown, and he was great. Had that sixty four yard run in Buffalo in the rugby match they had in the wind back there last year. So yep. I think he's a great compliment to Ramondre. Ramondre taking over and being the featured back, if not the focal point of the offense, is great for the Patriots. But it'll be interesting to see who they could use tomorrow night to possibly spell Ramondre because Montgomery's done for the season. Harris is out. You cut J.J. Taylor. I guess that means strong. And the other Harris are going to have to be on the 53 tomorrow night. So that should be fun, Shima. All right, let's get down to it, man. One of the biggest games of the year, the biggest game to date for your New England Patriots, and the questions came in fast and furious today. Thank you so much, Pats Pals. Let's kick it off with Sarah Hendricks. Boys, what adjustments do the Pats need to make in the red zone? Um, obviously, question. once again, it, it is because if the Patriots had been more efficient in the red zone all season, Shime, let alone last week against Minnesota, we're talking about a 7-4 and four Patriots team hosting the Bills tomorrow night as opposed to a six and five. It has become the dread zone. They just can't find ways to get the ball. If it's first and goal at the eight or it's, you know, first and 10 at the 17, they cannot pound it in and they just don't throw any quick strikes to get in there. Better officiating may help, but I'd be curious. How do you think they could fix that? Yeah. So for me, uh, I kind of look back and it's, it's funny. Uh, when Bailey Zappi was having success and then we had this Zappi versus Mac debate mm -hmm. uh, for that, that brief period of time, Greg Hill always yelled at me, well, Zappi was barely able to get in the end zone against teams like Cleveland and Detroit. Like, he just wasn't converting it at touchdowns. And right. 
he, to, he was he was right. Like they scored some touchdowns, but they weren't scoring as much as they could have. And then you see Mac Jones return, and it's still kind of happening for the Patriots. So to me, that screams play calling. Um, and look at the way the play calling has been inside the twenty. I don't love it at all. I think. Oh, you mean you don't love reverses that take seven yards to develop in the backfield to Kendrick Bourne? Double no, reverses, and excuse it's, me. And it's tough because I, I didn't love the way McDaniels called red zone offense either because uh, if you watch that Raiders-Seahawks game on Sunday, he's calling a toss on fourth and three, and I can't tell you how much I hate tossing the ball backwards in order to gain three yards on a, a must-have down. It's, I, I, like, it's I'm, the most I'm, infuriating I'm, thing in football. It's so freaking infuriating. Don't start a fourth down call by adding yards to the number of yards you need to gain to get a first down. Like I can only imagine how beside yourself you were – uh, what was it two weeks ago against the Jets when on fourth and three they did a wide zone run to Ramondre so, out of the shotgun that was yeah out of the shotgun me. against one of the fastest defensive lines in the NFL like that's a uh, I'll go full You're asking full Walton boys our terror terrible call it was terrible like it was so bad don't and, do that yeah and and so so a lot of that is play calling but then at the same time uh, I also think that the weapons are an issue, right? If you watch that Minnesota game, uh, the the uh, Adam Thielen touchdown in the back of the end zone was it, it was a play designed so that everybody is looking at Justin Jefferson because you have to. He's so damn good that you see they cross in the field and three guys stay with Jefferson and Jalen Mills is forced to run from one side of the field all the way to the other to try and tail Adam Thielen and he just can't do it because wow. it, it was it's kind close. of like a soft man zone there and the he got no safety help. And no, and unfortunately for the Patriots, they don't have a guy that draws that kind of coverage. So the the generally the defensive coverage will remain balanced, and there's not going to be a glaring mismatch or hole like that. So you need better play design because without better play design, you're not going to get anybody open because you just don't have the elite playmakers that a lot of other teams have. A hundred percent. It starts with play calling, and they need to call fewer plays that start one, two, three, and five yards behind the line of scrimmage. And get your tight ends involved because were it not for that ridiculous call last week, hashtag what is a catch or hashtag that's a TD, Hunter Henry actually executes the play perfectly. Use Hunter Henry more. You paid him and Jonu Smith, who obviously blew his chance at a red zone touchdown when he his allergy to the football caused him to spill it on the field against the Jets. So, But get your tight ends more involved as well. It's so weird too. Like I, I, I watch – so many NFL teams run good plays in the red zone. Like uh, it's it, the Tennessee Titans, for example, are one of the most efficient teams in the red zone and have been since Mike Vrabel became the head coach and Ryan Tannehill is a quarterback. And then I look at Matt Patricia and I think it was two weeks ago. He had uh, Nelson Aguilar and Ramondre Stevenson standing within a yard of each other on a play that Mac had to throw incomplete. And instead, and, of, and that's one of those Orlovsky, like what the hell spacing is going on in this offense? It looks 100%. like a first time play caller is designing it. Instead of having, like, I don't see, like you see teams all the time run those rub routes, right? So that one receiver kind of almost blocks, but technically doesn't because it's a penalty, right. two corners. And so another guy releases outside for free. Why does Patricia never do anything like that? Like, give it a shot. He it it, it just boggles my mind sometimes. Uh, dare I say, without actually being privy to sitting in the meeting room or wherever they design their plays, they're sometimes outthinking themselves or overclevering themselves to make up a word that I think is probably applicable in this situation. Moving on, Jordan Watson, regular here in the Mailbag Podcast. Do you think the Patriots should swap or bench Tavai for a faster linebacker or player? to spy on Josh Allen. Now, Jelani Tavai 
who I know has been the butt of one and many a jokes. Yep. Uh, if at first you don't succeed, to buy, to buy again. Uh, obviously, somehow this guy ends up with a contract extension. Now he signed through 2024. Funny thing is, the numbers bear out, and I know you trust in the numbers and the process a bit more than our other member of the pod, Andy Hart, does. That Tavai is actually playing reasonably to pretty well this season, but he is bigger and a tad slower. So, if Jabril Peppers, let's say, is uh, healthy and can start, I know he's been in and out with the illness week, illness this week. Chime, would you put Peppers in and just be like, listen, Josh Allen doesn't get by you. I don't care what you have to do. You wake up, you choose violence, and you get after his ass. Yeah, I mean, you might want to try uh, because whatever you've done the last two times you've placed Josh Allen didn't work out, seeing as they didn't punt. Um, <laughs> the issue, though, is is for me, like, Tavai plays more of that almost Ninko Van Noy role a lot of the time. Um, right. and, and I just don't think the Patriots have the speed to spy Josh Allen. So it, it's – you put yourself in this weird conundrum where you force yourself to play a lot of zone coverage because you want to be facing the quarterback at all times mm-hmm. so that he doesn't just break out of the pocket and run. But if you do that, guys like Steph Diggs are just going to find the holes and Josh Allen is going to see him and he's going to hit him with the passes every single time. And so you put yourself in this really weird spot. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if they play some kind of man zone mix uh, like with some kind of like zone cushion over the top with the safeties and some man down down low. Um, and they really, really focus. I, I forget who it was mentioned. It, it might have been Devin McCourty, actually, that mentioned it. Um, when it comes to pass rushing Josh mm-hmm. Allen, the key is to keep him in the pocket, right? right? You don't the goal is not to sack the quarterback when you're facing a guy like Josh it's Allen. Lane di- it's lane discipline and pocket presence on the reverse side because if you get him at, as the Elway 2.0, but maybe even faster, if you get him going to the outside, like there was that play last week against Detroit after he threw that 36-yard freaking laser to Steph yep. Diggs and how Steph Diggs wasn't double covered instead of having three lines just in his neighborhood, I have no idea. But to make sure – they gave Bass enough room to make a comfortable field goal to get the win. Josh Allen just said, I'm going to student body right this. And he got a convoy going and was able to get like 15 yards so that Bass didn't have a 45 plus kick to win the game. Like if he does, he's always going to win that battle. So you have to make sure he doesn't feel comfortable enough to pick an outside lane or just go straight up the gut for 12, 15 or a first. Yeah, so I think that's going to be the most important thing, that lane discipline. You really want to make that kind of you attack on him to really corral him and keep him in the pocket, and then hopefully it'll close in on itself. Um, But that's, I mean, spying Josh Allen, guys like that, him, Justin Fields, uh, Lamar Jackson, go ahead and try. I I think the spy is kind of a dumb idea at this point just because quarterbacks are getting so, so athletic that they're just going to blow by you anyways. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, So we'll see how the Patriots approach that. Tavai will get his reps tomorrow night, but if Peppers is healthy, I bet he gets an opportunity to be that guy as well. Uh, John Langlois asks, can the Pats play a mistake-free game, please? They're going to need to if they're going to beat Buffalo. Go Pats. Um, I mean, you know, Andy and I have tackled this a million times. I'm sure you guys have banged it out on the morning show, and it's just one of these conversations that is now we visited it with Mike Giardi on the podcast this week. Eventually now you're going to have to start thinking of the Patriots not as the buttoned-up, mistake-free, smarter-than-you team, but rather the good to competitive, not quite the same as they were, kind of mistake-riddled team that they're showing themselves to be. And the only way 
And as defensive and salty as Belichick wants to be or gets about it, the only way they'll return to form is by just cleaning up the dumb stuff. People keep doing time and again. Like, I can't tell you how many times this week, Shime, I shut my eyes like I literally have right now, and I've seen Pierre Strong running into the kicker. Like, that's not just a five-yard penalty. That's a game-swinging, momentum-altering mistake. Yep. And the Pats never used to make those. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, Shio Kapadia of The Ringer, uh, formerly of The Athletic, uh, made the, yeah, great writer. Awesome. I highly recommend you go checking out Shield. Um, he, he said something, he does a podcast with Ben Solak there at the ringer, uh, every Tuesday. And he said his take was that the Patriots are currently the worst coached team in the AFC East. And at this present moment, wow. I think he's kind wow. of right in the fact that the Patriots are making so many mental errors. Like, look at this. The Jets were winning games with Zach Wilson. We saw firsthand how bad Zach Wilson was, and they were winning in spite of him. Mm -hmm. And yet the Patriots can't get out of their own effing way, whether it's Mac Jones sliding in the open field instead of throwing the ball away, Hunter Henry not getting out of bounds, Pierre Strong running into a kicker. Like, it's a stupid Trent Brown's ill-advised cut block. Whoever caught the final ball of the game trying to take a knee thinking it's college football and that you can throw a Hail Mary. Like, you're out of timeouts. It's the pros. You don't get to, like, move the ball. That's not how it works. 100%. And it goes on. That list goes on and on. And it's happened all season. Dare I say, Shine? Mike McCarthy-esque. It is. It's like. It's remarkable to me. It's and, McCarthy, it's McCarthy. And, and people, some people have retorted with the fact that, well, a lot of this uh. is the players. The players have to know the situation and know what to do. And yes, yeah, sure, I agree with you to an extent. But at the same time, we cannot give Bill Belichick flowers for all of those years for not making mental mistakes. And then when the team is meant to making mental mistakes, say it's not Bill Belichick's fault. So I, I you know, I, I I playing a mistake free game against Buffalo is going to be necessary if you're going to want to win. I'm just not super confident the Patriots could do it from what I've seen this year. Simple as this. You play a mistake free game, I bet the Patriots can hang and go four quarters with the Bills and I'll give them a shot to not just actually cover but come out with the dub. If they make the same kind of mistakes that they made against uh we'll say Miami in the opener against the Vikings last week or in the games where self-inflicted wounds did them in, they don't even have a chance, and we're probably all looking to see what's on Netflix by the fourth quarter. Agreed. Jane Perkins. Guys, what do you think the final standings of the AFC Beast will be this year? Revised edition now, Shime. Obviously, things have changed. I said I think the Dolphins are going to win. I'll give you mine. I'm going to go Dolphins, Bills, Patriots, Jets. Uh, yeah, I uh... – I agree that the Dolphins win the division. Um, I'm almost tempted to say, I think the Bills might drop a game or two down the stretch here. Um, I, I, just the way Josh Allen has played, especially in the red zone, he's thrown a lot of interceptions. Don't get me wrong. I think the Bills are a playoff team. Um, he's been but very I'm charitable. Very I'm, charitable. I'm jostling between the Bills and the Jets in second place. Mm. Um, I, okay. I might be caught up in the moment. I love me. I love me some Mike White in my life, uh, and and Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson does too. I'll tell you that. Uh, so I'm, I'll be. I'll be a little bit, a little bit different than you. Give me the Dolphins, Jets, Bills, Patriots. Wow. See, I was just looking at the Jets schedule. Okay. Um, we know what the Patriots schedule is, and in case anyone needs me to rattle it off real quick, of course it goes against the Bills at Cardinals at Raiders, home against Ben's gals, home on New Year's Day. 
The Mimosa brunch game is against the Dolphins, and then they finish it up in Buffalo against the Bills. So the Jetropolitans go, Shima. They're at the Vikings, so now we need the Vikings to help us out. Let's go, Skoll. Then the Jets are at the Bills, home for the Lions, uh, home for the Jags, who've played a little better recently, but I highly doubt that the Jags will come out on top on that one. That's a Thursday nighter. Jets at Seahawks, Jets at Dolphins. So the Jets currently at 7-4. and four. Let's say they drop three of those, okay? Yep, that's, that's kind of where I would Jets assume. Jets go 10-7. and seven. Let's say the Patriots uh, are able to win four of the next six. On the in the best case scenario, if they're both ten and seven, the Patriots end up on the top of that because they won the head-to-head matchups. I see the Dolphins going twelve and five, Bills eleven and six, Pats and Jets ten and seven, which makes the makes it truly AFC beast because you got four winning That's teams. A great division, yeah. It's an awesome division. NFC East and AFC East. Who had them? Please collect your winnings at the paramutual window if you had them as the two best divisions in football. Yeah, yeah, I understand the NFC East has, I think, the better most wins. Uh, that's inflated because of the Eagles, but the a- AFC East has the best point differential out of all of the uh, team uh, divisions in football. So, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I think the Bills have a. a Sneaky tough stretch down the end. Like if Justin Fields comes back healthy, they they draw Jets. They literally go Pats, Jets, Dolphins, Bears, Bengals, Pats. Mm-hmm. Like that's. I think you they could conceivably drop two more mm-hmm. uh, at least along the way. Uh, I think the Dolphins are like coasting to that first spot. I just love what they're doing on offense, I and I think the Jets walk away with wins against the Lions, Jags, and Seahawks for sure. And then if they sneak away one against the Vikings, Bills, or Dolphins, like they're in a really good spot themselves. They would put themselves in a really good spot for their first playoff berth since 2010. All right, there we go. Uh, Bob Ventura, think the league will ever do anything about the atrocious officiating, or do you think they'll keep things status quo to allow for the obvious fixes? Um, I take you, Shime, since both of us are, are obviously big fans of regular American football and the yes. football with an F and a U, to at the end of the first half in the qualifying game that punched the ticket for the U.S. to go to the knockout round, we like to call it the Sweet 16, and Wea would have had a goal if the offsides laser or offsides alarm had not gone off, triggering the call. And I mean, it was a CH. Like, it was this close. I mean, yeah, it was a hair. And it was a complete hair. And, I, like, it to me at that point, it's like, just let the people on the field make the call because otherwise why do you have them out there in the first place? Do you want to see more reviews, more technology involved, uh, and will that help the NFL on some of these calls, like poor Ahemplo, the Hunter Henry catch? Yeah, no, I I, uh, I think there might be a change to come with the FIFA offsides down the road if they want more goals or want to encourage more striking at least. Yeah. Um, but that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. I I think with the NFL. Um, you you need a little less of this to be honest with you. Like I understand the review on every touchdown and the review on every turnover, but what happened to just like if it looks questionable, then we'll review it, and if it looks fine, just let it go. Like I, I, that's the thing that's bugged me. Um, I think they've done a real relatively good job when it comes to penalties this year. They're pretty clear, right? Like they 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 know what they, you know what they're going to call on holding. There's holding on like every play, so it has to every be pretty play. egregious. Every so it has play. to be pretty. It has to be pretty egregious for them to throw the flag, which is good. Um, Walt Anderson, I think overall has done a good job taking over for the as the head referee um, in his uh, delegating on what he wants to focus on, and like it's don't hit the quarterback in the head. Don't hit the quarterback while he slides, and and don't and, hit him. Don't hit him a full second or two after he's released the ball. Like yes, and and outside of that, that 
like I think they've been throwing flags at a perfectly fine rate. So I don't think that'll change. I think they're doing a really good job with that. They're letting defenders actually play defense on these receivers a bit. Uh, They're letting the receivers commit OPI, which if you haven't seen some of the theories going around, a receiver should commit OPI on every single play, but that's a different story. Um, I don't, so, I don't mind. I don't mind. A I don't either. Contact like you're gonna like. I'm not. That's what. You, that's what football is. Yes, I'm not saying go back to like Super Bowl 36 where Tabucky Jones and Otis My Man Smith absolutely like wrecked Azahir Akeem and Isaac Bruce every other play. Not to say that that wasn't awesome because it helped the Patriots win a Super Bowl. Sure. But at the same time, like a little con- a little contact in a full contact sport amongst grown men, even on potential scoring plays, should be allowed. It's just the nature of the beast, and you can't deny it. Yeah, so I think the the flags have been good this year. Uh, I don't think they've been too too uh, aggressive with throwing those. And then when it comes to the replay, like I said, I, I think I'd like a little bit less. I just pump the brakes on it a little bit. If it's if it's clear and obvious, it, like if it if it feels like it's a good play or a, an incomplete play, run with it. Don't you don't need to review every gosh darn thing. It's just it's just every GDP. I got you. Like buddy. it just let the flow dictate how the game goes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is a fun one. Uh, Ken Ferretra, hear me out, fellas. Blue pants, red jerseys, white helmets with the new logo on it for the home uniforms. You do white pants and Pat the Patriot for throwback games. Hmm. Blue pants, red jerseys, white helmets. How would you feel about that as a sort of like kit swap for the uh, home unis? Because, of course, Bill's game is going to be Pat yeah. the Patriot. It's going to look resplendent in its all of throwback glory. Hopefully Mac Jones doesn't play like Tony Eason in the process. I um I love the the white helmets. I absolutely love them. The blue plants red uh shirt to me, I can't for whatever reason it's just like I can't compute thing. I would yeah. need to see it. Like to me I think that's too much different colors. There's no similarity there. There's no connection. Mm-hmm. I understand it's red, white and blue. I get that, but like when you when you think of just the colors themselves as a fashion guy myself, you know, mm-hmm. uh I just I can't <laughs> I can't picture blue pants, red shirt and white helmet. I think the white pants, red shirt, white helmet is a fire look. Um, mm. But I think there needs to be more color coordination there uh, than just the three colors. I would go with the, I, I could do the, uh, the, like I'm wearing right now in the video, this new version of the red throwback jersey, white pants, white helmet, flying Elvis. I could do that. Yep. Uh, oh yeah, definitely. That, that's what I can. I don't need the blue pants, but I could go with what they're going to rock tomorrow night against the Bills, but swap out Pat the Patriot for Flying Elvis. I've seen mocks of it on Instagram from some of the sites that love to do uniform swaps, yep. and it's fire. Um, I also think the Patriots, the Bengals did this earlier in the year. I think it was the oh, Miami the game. Tiger the whiteout. Oh, my God. Love those, things so are, those things are fire. Yeah. That is such a – Neat drip. Like, I think the Patriots could go white out, right? Like, and the, then you uh, put Ted Karras walking off the field telling Tennessee to shove it up their ass. Oh, like, oh my God. That's my literally my favorite moment of the entire season so far. Yeah. And if you go white pants, white shirt with like the red and blue stripe on the shoulder and the blue, blue outline numbers, and then the white helmet, that the Patriot, that would look. Fire! I'm all in on a clean. Like I love when when uh, the 49ers do it. The Saints even do it really well. That clean all white look is just chef's kiss. Uh, all right, here's the question of the week. The rumor started just a couple hours ago. It was lent some legitimacy, Shima, because it came from Jeff Howe of the Athletic. Yep. I know there are certain people at the radio station that have issue with some of Jeff's articles, his leaks, his leads, and his tips. Uh, I've had a chance to engage and interact with him a number of times. He doesn't take the bait on Volan-esque DMs. I think there's some legitimacy to it. 
So Andrew Monroe asks, guys, how do we feel about this new Brady back to the Patriots article? And the answer is, how do I feel about it? Look, Tom, you effed with us once. You screwed with our emotions when you left a couple of years ago. I didn't like the way you handled the exit. You can take that black and light, black and white Hulu commercial that you made on your way out the door and <laughs> shove it straight where you know the avocado toast doesn't shine. However, even with Mac Jones improving his quality of play, if Mac Jones plays like he did against the Vikings the rest of the season, if you present me with the opportunity to get Tom Brady back for like two more years, Shime, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm such a sucker. I'm such a basic. I can't say no. I can't. There I, is there is nothing. There is. Let me let me let me really drive this home. There is not a GD thing. Mac Jones can do between now and the end of the season, even even if somehow he miraculously got you to a Super Bowl, I'd still want Tom Brady to walk back through that door. Are you kidding me? Yes. Oh, if he wanted Please, to come Tommy, back, come home. We miss you so much. If he wanted to come home, you're damn right. I don't care if it's one year, two years, or five. If he wants to come home, you bet your sweet ass I will let him walk back through that door because I – I, I I wouldn't want anything else. I wouldn't want anything else in life at that point. And, and, and I believe the conversation would have to start with Robert Kraft and say, Bill, we're getting an opportunity to sort of like undo a wrong or fix a mistake that we collectively agreed to a couple of years ago or think or thought Tom would actually never engineer. And he did. And whether you think it's Giselle who helped Brady believe that he wasn't being appreciated or she didn't like living in Brookline and those people in the greater Boston area weren't sophisticated enough. Hey, screw you, sweetheart. All right, go enjoy your life as the most well-compensated power walker wherever. Uh, she's she's the she's the mother of two Brady children, so we'll always appreciate her for that and a million different other things. But for whatever reason, if Tom Brady could come back, he's he's not the problem in Tampa right now. I mean, he can be a problem. No. Like he's he's thrown two interceptions in 470 plus attempts. Yeah, Ooh. he's playing at an extremely high level. And it's I'll tell you, Shime, it would literally be that day and the and the following day thereafter, like as, as miserable as all of us were on a rainy, cold St. Patrick's Day when we're in the pandemic, America is locking down, and then with those muted emotions and the fear of what was to come with COVID-19, we find out Tom Brady's leaving. Like, I almost didn't don't even – I still can't even access those emotions. But the party – the Bacchanal that would break out in Boston and all throughout oh, New England, the Pats Nation, if he came back. It would be a parade. Dude, it, it would feel like they won. It, it would, honestly, like I would put a card down at the first place that that serves me 16 ounces at a time and be like, everybody's on Uncle Fitzy's tab because brings back. <laughs> like I look at it, it it's weird. It's It, it would be a, this party. It would be amazing. And I also look at it like if Tom Brady was the quarterback of this team right now, they'd have two more wins. Yes. They'd be in contention yes. for the division. Yep. Like at least two more wins, if not more. And so in my head, I'm like, of course I want Tom Brady back because in the offseason, Tom Brady plus a, a patched up O-line mm -hmm. immediately makes you contenders again. Right. The defense is good enough. Brady's good enough. The coach is good enough. Let's ride. Exactly. And he, if so, no offense, Mac, on, if in the offseason it becomes Garoppolo to the Jets, Matt, you trade Mac to San Francisco. You welcome Tom back home. Look, I'm not going to give it anything more than, let's say, a 10% chance. But still, you know. But there's right a chance. Now, Never right tell now. me the odds. Yeah, see, that that's my, my, my favorite Han Solo line of all time. I even own it on a T-shirt, damn it. And, yes, every one of you out there that's thinking of Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber going, so you're telling me there's a chance. Yes. Yes. Yes, we are. 
Yes, we are. Last two real quick. Uh, Bruce Davis, this play, this one's all for you, Shime. Regardless of record at the end of the season, you think Matt Patricia remains OC of the NEP next year? Uh, I will reluctantly say yes. Mm. Belichick Belichick made it sound like um, picking Matt Patricia was the right choice because of continuity. If he's, if he's true to his word and Mm -hmm. he meant what he said, then yeah, Matt Patricia will be here next year. As much as I don't think he should be, uh, let's make that clear. I don't think he should be uh, at all. I think you need an actual offensive coordinator in the building. However, if Belichick was speaking the truth and was true to his word, then yeah, Matt Patricia will be the offensive coordinator here next year. Uh, I'm going to say no, even if Matt Patricia deals the hottest hand and pulls ace king every time the cards are put down on the table in front of him the rest of the way. Because if Bill Belichick sees the growing pains that this offense has gone through and truly is doing what's in the best interest of this football team, then it's going to be trusting the system into the hands of somebody who does this and only this for a living. Wasn't an engineer wasn't a defensive coordinator, wasn't an offensive line coach, wasn't a part-time play caller. Like you have, this is such an important job. You have to put it in the hands of a progressive mind who also knows how football has been called a deep foundational knowledge of the way you try to move the ball and score it along with ideas as to how to deceive people as players become smarter and faster on the football field. And uh, with all respect intended to Matt Jones, excuse me, uh, Matt Patricia, it becomes Matt Jones when you go Mac Jones plus Matt Patricia, and that hive mind doesn't work for me. With all due intended respect to Matt Patricia's intelligence and experience, you need someone who does this and only this. And if Billy O'Brien wants to shake free, I've said it once, I'll say it 10,000 more times. Come back. Come on back. Let's get 2011 going all over again. Uh, and I would love to see Tom Brady and Bill O'Brien arguing on the sideline again. Oh, my God, I would drink that milkshake up. Yeah. Uh, all right, Shyman, last one. This one actually comes from uh, Nick Fitzy Stevens, who wants to ask his soccer-loving double-footy pal, Shime Time. Hey, Shime, if Belichick could get Christian Pulisic, who honestly right now is the – is it Pulisic or Pulisic? Uh, I've heard it I both I believe words. it's Pulisic. Pulisic, okay. Whatever it is. If you can get the Pulitzer Prize, the Pulisic Prize. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start calling him that on Twitter right now. I apologize. I love it. No, no I don't. Do it. Um, uh, if you could get the guy that basically took one to the Pulisic for America to get us yes, into the knockout round, goddamn hero, where do you think Belichick would deploy him on the football field if he played for the mm. Patriots? So it feels like one of two spots for me. I feel like he would be a bit of a quarterback. He seems like a quarterback, a leader mm-hmm. of men, a quarterback of the team, or he'd be more of a safety. He feels like a roaming safety to me, like a, an Ed Reed-esque, you know, maybe not Hall of Fame level. But uh, but that Eric roaming- Weddle. Yeah, and Eric Weddle, sure, that's great. I think that's excellent. Kind of just roaming safety, really quarterback of the defense, you know, pointing out the coverages, even your Devin McCourty. Uh, of of sorts, and so I think I think that's probably where Pulisic would best would best fit uh, on the Patriots roster. Uh, all right, uh, we'll get we'll get you out of here, kiddo. On uh, two quick predicts. Uh, okay. Number one, I uh, haven't gotten your score yet on Bills at Patriots because this will be dropping morning of Bills at Patriots on Thursday Night Football, and then I'm going to need a score for USA versus the, the Netherlands. And side note. I'm already out on the Netherlands because, you know, all these countries with two names, like you're either Holland or you're the Netherlands. You're not, you're not both. All right. True. 
I'm into that. Uh, so when it comes to uh, prediction, uh, well, first of all, Team USA all the way. I'm rooting for my guys. Well, USA is going to win on Saturday. I can feel it in my loins. Three and a half to one underdogs. Give me really? Team USA. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Oh, all right. yeah. So I got two one US. Two to one oh, USA. Ooh, okay. Okay. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go one nil. One nil USA. That's a uh, lot to keep the Netherlands off the board entirely. It is. Uh, but this team is very def- The US is very a very defensive squad. Uh, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one nil. Shime, I gotta it's tell gonna, you, I gotta it is tell going you, to destroy my heart. But I'm it is. Go, go oh, I mean, I mean, I'm already gonna be dead, and I got a show Saturday night that I have to go, have to host. And there's no chance in the world I'm gonna be alive, upright, or sober for that. Um, tell me if I'm crazy when I say whenever they put Shaq Moore in, he's giving me serious Kyle Arrington vibes. Like this guy is going to make a mistake one of these games. I don't care I saw, if he's. I think it was Clint Dempsey said, "I need Shaq less." <laughs> Clint Dempsey, maybe my Thank favorite, you, maybe the best striker in U.S. history, maybe the best scorer in U.S. men's national team history. I know most will say Landon Donovan. I love Clint Dempsey, but me too. Like he's awesome on the show. He's awesome on Twitter. Like I need more Clint Dempsey, and I need Shaq classes. Well. <laughs> so good. Um, um, so yeah. Right. So I got U.S. one nil, nice. and then for the okay. Pats game, oh man, it's tough. Uh, I'm gonna go 34-24 Bills. Um, okay. I think the Pats will put some points on the board. I think the lack of Von Miller will make Mac uh, at ease in the pocket. I think the protection will be good. Right. I think the offense, pass rush is banged up. Yeah, I think you could expect Mac Jones to have another good game. Um, I just don't think they're, they. Fun fact about the Patriots: they've had the worst rushing attack in football over the last five weeks. Mm-hmm. I think that will continue. Unfortunately, I think you'll see Ramondre have to catch a lot of balls, but not be able to run successfully. Uh, and ultimately, I just don't think the Patriots' defense will get it done against Josh Allen. So I'm going to take the Bills 34-24. And the disappointment in a result like that would be that the offense is finally continuing to grow and turning a corner, Bingo. and that they will have flipped the switch. That However, it's card the defense. It's the defense that actually, which we thought was carrying the team and was leading them, and it turned into a top unit. The defense would be fraudulent in that case. I don't think the defense has a signature effort for the ages, but I actually think the Pats, and I said it on the pod with Giardi and Hart, they both laughed. I have to have my blind faith in fandom because if that, what am I? But nothing more than a complete goofball who looks like the guy from Modern Family. So I think the Pats squeak out a one-to-two-point win in in an absolute thriller, and I'm not saying that everything is right and fixed. But I just think this is the stage, and at least Mac Jones will finally get some respect around these parts. Well, Fitzy, uh, to your credit, uh, a lot of people seem to agree with you in the fact that at least it'll be a close game. Uh, right now, the line on this game is a gambling guy like I am. The mm-hmm. line on this game is four points. Uh, it's Patriots down are, to four? It has dropped from five and a half to four points. The Patriots wow. are four-point underdogs at home against the Bills. But the, the crazier thing is, is 57% of the bets are on the Bills. 75% of the money is on the Patriots. Three quarters of the money bet on this game are on the New England Patriots right now, Fitzy. So a lot of smart people, a lot of sharps, uh, a lot of just big money is on the Patriots this week. Uh, so uh, that that might make you feel a little bit better on, on your stance as, your, uh, as, as a homeboy Patriot fan. He is the executive producer of The Greg Hill Show, heard Monday through Friday, 6 to 10 on WEI, a regular contributor on the Six Rings Pod. And, of course, make sure you throw him a sub for gambling knowledge like that on the BetQL Boston Daily Podcast with the Mutt Man. This has been the Six Rings and Football Things Mailbag Edition, getting you pump jack primed and ready for some football. Bills at Patriots Thursday night on Amazon Prime Video. And, hey, look out for a familiar face on the Amazon Prime pregame show. Hashtag it's me.
Uh, that's just a little shameless self-promotion. But what do we have this podcast? If for any other reason, Shime, great job. Good chatting with you, buddy. As always, uh, make sure you follow at Shime Time, at Fitzy GFY, and at Six Rings Pod. Until the next episode, we'll have the Six Rings post-game show live on EEI right after Bill's Patriots goes final. Take care of yourselves. Good luck. Good day. God bless. And as always, Shime, go Pats! <laughs>